Welcome to the Creators Are Brands podcast. This is the show that discovers how storytellers are building brands online. I am your host, Tom Boyd. I am a content strategist for both brands and creators. I've worked with everything from billion-dollar companies to multi-platinum recording artists to some of your favorite creator economy platforms. In today's episode, we talk to Mila Holmes. She's built a thriving business through social media where she helps entrepreneurs establish themselves as masters of their craft by using TikTok, Instagram, and Pinterest. She herself has over 500k followers on tiktok and over 50k on instagram and in the convo we talk about how she blew up on tiktok although she wasn't trying to build on that platform initially why she treats tiktok like instagram stories the book that has helped her overcome trying to be a perfectionist online why creating a digital product helps you give leverage for working with only the brands that you want to work with when it comes to brand deals how she created her digital product through workshops the one thing she recommends doing before you build a digital product online and much more i hope you enjoyed this conversation with mila as much as i did without blabbing your ear off anymore let's get into the show how do you explain what it is that you do oh god okay i start off by saying that i just do social media marketing and if they seem intrigued then i'll expand so social media marketing specifically for people who wanting to build an online brand that will allow them to do whatever they want in the future whether that's releasing a product releasing a business um, doing brand deals, basically just to create an online persona that would allow them to do whatever they want. So I help them to create the strategy, I help them to create the content, I help them to do whatever editing is necessary and to push the content out there. So basically I just oversee all things marketing for them on social media. I Amazing. specialize in like TikTok, Pinterest, Instagram, don't dabble in Facebook or YouTube. So like sticking with the one-on-one -on -one platform and that's about it. Yeah. And, and I noticed your your bio in Instagram. I help creative entrepreneurs establish themselves as masters of their craft using TikTok, Instagram, and Pinterest. So, right now, your business model is 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 that all it is, or are there have you made digital products before? And what are you thinking about like digital products in the future, or courses, or, or anything like that? I, I have. So I've done two digital products in the past. One was a PDF, which was like a workbook for people to start doing what I do. So for people who are wanting to start a career as a social media manager. Um, and I've also hosted master classes, which is probably what I did most of last year. Essentially, it was just like a four hour course with like maximum 30 people. We just sit and run through everything from starting their business to actually getting clients. So it was, it was a lot of work. I think I hosted about like 40 to 50 classes last year. It was absolutely hectic. Um, and yeah, those both are discontinued and now I'm working on kind of like a passive course, something that I can have running in the background that also replaces that master class and gives people a chance to learn how to be a social media manager at their own pace instead of having to attend a workshop or something. Amazing. I love this. I have so many questions already. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so, and now you also have, you have a pretty substantial following on TikTok and Instagram too. Did that. <laughs> What what came first, right? Like, were you building the business and then just like kind of simultaneously when you were sharing out loud, those accounts started to grow? Or was that like always a, a strategy of yours? I'm going to build this account and then I'm going to start selling, selling the, um, you know, these masterclasses and this and this one on one um, uh, service for, for clients. It definitely was not a plan. Like I had no plan to grow any sort of online persona. I always focused more on my clients accounts than I ever did on my own. So like my accounts were always lacking in content, they were lacking in followers, there was nothing really to show there. Um, and I didn't get into like coaching like I do now until I started on TikTok. So basically what happened is late, late summer of last year, I made one video like following a trend 
um, that basically was just me talking about how much money I'm able to make and how many hours I work as a social media manager. And that blew up to, I think, like 250K in like three days, 250K mm -hmm. likes, which is like almost a million views usually. And it just like, I started responding to comments and that just kind of snowballed and it just, it grew literally overnight. So like from posting that TikTok, it was probably a month um, until I started like hosting these masterclasses and having to just put something out there for these people that wanted to learn from me because I had nothing planned for them. I had no products. I had no curriculum. I had nothing. So you just throw them together. Um, it definitely like happened to me rather than being like, okay, this time I'm going to start coaching. At this point, I'm going to release a course. This is this going to happen. It just kind of like happened naturally, which I kind of liked. Yeah, okay. I do like that. And that's kind of a theory that I have of uh, about people that do the best on social media. They're people that are actually building and doing something. Uh, and they're just sharing around it. They're just documenting the process mm -hmm. from like a genuine place of like, this is what I'm learning. And yeah. I hope this, this, this can somehow assist your journey in, in some way. And that's what it seems mm -hmm. like you do. And like one thing, you, you said something in a video that was very intriguing to me. And it was kind of liberating as like a creator that like overthinks TikTok content. You said that you treat TikTok like Instagram stories. Can you yeah. elaborate on that a little bit for me? Yeah, I just like, I kind of stopped taking the approach of like overly curated TikTok content. Like the best videos I've ever made are always the ones I think of in the moment. I just pull out my phone and I film them, whether I'm in bed or I'm on a walk or like in the bath, whatever, literally just doing where or making the video wherever it comes to me. So like, Taking that approach of whenever I want to post something on my stories, it's me talking for more than like 30 seconds, I post it on TikTok instead. Makes it so that that content reaches more people. And I feel like it's just more helpful there because people can reference it if they need to. And it really takes the pressure off TikTok. I feel like just the pressure, or at least for me, the pressure of like getting views and making sure my account stays alive, making sure I'm getting the engagement, it's just too much. So taking out that pressure is really nice. It is. And it's like, for me, when I said, I was like, because I've had this theory that TikTok is more like Twitter or for a while, where it's just an ongoing mm -hmm. conversation where mm -hmm. people reply, they stitch, they uh, just like have one-off quick ideas. Like that's what Twitter is. It's just like a, a place to throw your ideas that you're kind of, you know, your half-baked thoughts, right? And that's yeah. really what TikTok, I, I believe, is. Now, do you, when you're, so when you're making videos, are, are, is it, are you thinking any bit of like, this is my hook, this is how long mm. it should be, like how much of that plays into it? Um, gosh, I, I guess sometimes what, what usually will happen is like I'll record a video, just recording everything that's coming to mind. I'll rewatch that and just see if it's too messy. I'll just rearrange basically how I'm wording everything. So I'll just refilm it with putting the most Im important piece of information at the beginning, or maybe I'll make the clip shorter, or maybe I'll add some text that's a little more intriguing or, you know, um, will help get a little dopamine release of people that are watching it. Um, essentially just make edits after releasing or after recording that original okay. just brain dump. Yeah. Okay. But like, it's not like I'm sitting there and writing out like, okay, for 10 seconds, I'm going to do a hook. And then after that, <laughs> I'm going to have a little more interesting information that I just, I just Okay. It's not that mechanical. It's a bit more like mm -hmm. intuitive at this point. You're just, I've done this enough. I kind of get um, how this content should be structured and, and exactly. you, just, you know, you play with it a little bit and then send it. Mm -hmm. All right. We had a little technical difficulties, but that's <laughs> the reality of being an online business owner, creator, yeah. the tools that, that help us connect. Sometimes they always don't always don't, uh, do their job, but, uh, but we're back. Thank God. Hello. <laughs> we are here. Uh, okay. So 
let's where were we were we were talking about your approach to to uh, creating content on mm -hmm. TikTok and how you kind of take the pressure off of of over uh, of of having to just like be super mechanical about the process and you're just like hey I'm gonna do I'm just gonna deliver um, insights to my audience and I'm gonna treat it like Instagram stories I love that approach it's inspired some of the way I think about how I create content now do, do you do, my question for your do you, is any part of your business working with inf like uh, with brands brand collaborations um I mean every now and again it's not really a, a central part of my business of every yeah. now and again like a business will reach out to like collaborate especially like on desk stuff or technological stuff or you know like this microphone's part of a brand partnership it's very uh, scarce and okay. uh, I kind of want to mention something if you don't mind that we were talking about like a TikTok structure making videos um, I'm sure you're familiar with Dale Carnegie right the author I think yep. he's like a big salesman in the 50s or something yeah he wrote a book called the art of public speaking and in that book, that, that book is kind of what changed my approach to TikTok. So in that book, he talks about how, is that it? I can't, I can't see what it was. How, how to develop self-confidence and influence people by public speaking. It might be the same book, different title. Yeah. In, I think the second half of that book, it literally talks about how you should not let your self-awareness or the need for perfection to get in the way of you delivering the message you need to deliver. It's about and the like, message. Exactly. So like when I stopped caring about what people perceive of me, you know, I don't care if people think, oh, maybe she should be wearing more makeup or, oh, maybe she should look <laughs> more put together or whatever. Yeah. What's important is that I'm getting my message across. And especially as a coach where I'm trying to genuinely help people get this started for themselves, I can't, I can't have there be like two weeks between an idea and when I'm posting the video because I'm so concerned with what people are thinking essentially. So that, that book really helped me just kind of take my self-awareness out of it and just worry about delivering a message that's helpful for people. So, yep. Yeah. And no, I, I love that approach. I love that way of thinking. And I, that, that's something I often tell people when they ask me like, hey, how do I get over being insecure about this? Uh, I just say, you need to stop thinking about yourself and think about like the person that could benefit from receiving this information. And that's what's more important than any, any person online that is like gonna have a negative um, comment or, or reaction mm -hmm. around it because that person isn't your ideal audience anyway, so exactly. that's fine. Like, like let's 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 let them unfollow us. Let's let them, you know, mm -hmm. have be in their feelings because that's the name of the game. Social media, you're putting it out to a wide audience. There's going to be some people that disagree yeah, or not or not fully understand your worldview on on these topics. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I think the reason I asked about you is our brand partnerships part of your. Um, your, your, your business because I find that when you're relying solely on them, you're overthinking how your brand looks for future brand partners. So yeah. people don't want videos up that don't look like they're not performing because they don't want to get less of a brand deal on their, on their next brand deal because they're you know, looking at the engagement rates on this video. But when you have a product, yeah. when you have your own offering, it mm -hmm. puts the power back in your hands to create exactly how you want to create. I completely agree. Yeah, I've definitely considered taking the approach of just being a content creator or just, you know, making my living off of brand partnerships. And that's the reason I didn't do it, just because of that pressure of constantly having to make curated content, constantly having to have really high views, constantly having to have really high engagement, like all of that. There's a lot of pressure around all that. So I, it, I'd it, it not. is. <laughs> I just made a video for a brand today and it's like not performing. Like, I know it's a good video, but like there's so many things around like one doing an ad 
like people mm-hmm. don't engage with ads. They're not built to be like you know high, you know uh, uh, posts with with high engagement naturally so there's a whole art to creating an ad right now i'm like i have like five different bosses between all of the brand partners i have and i'm trying to get Uh wins for all of them it's it's stressing me out so that's why go ahead i was just gonna say one of the main reasons i started my business is so that i wouldn't have a boss so i wouldn't have that external pressure of someone like expecting something from me because i can't i can't handle expectations so like get expectations out of here i want to just fly i just want to do my thing um so so that's perfect for this conversation. I haven't interviewed someone that their business model is around uh, like something that you know, an, an actual offering that they're, they're working with clients on or a digital product. So I want to focus on the evolution of that digital product. I love how you kind of like you tested it very like uh, I, I want to say quick and dirty is the phrase in a quick <laughs> and dirty way where you're like I just you know there's a need for this people are asking for it and then you did your master classes. Would you say that mm-hmm. that was you testing the curriculum for this current product that you're putting out? Unintentionally, yes. So like that taught me a lot of lessons, some that were hard to swallow, some pills that were hard to swallow, and it just overall taught me a lot about how I want to teach. Um, Like I said, before I did those master classes, I never had fit into the role of being an educator. So like leading, having those 50 some odd classes was a great learning experience for me to see what actually gets people to engage with what I'm saying. Um, I definitely, when I started, I was just the kind that would spew out a ton of information, just like hope you would grasp all of it and, you know, do everything you can with everything I'm handing you. And that's so inefficient um, instead of just like just giving the key points people need in order to mm. achieve desired results. So like little lessons I learned from the master class have definitely helped me build this course. And to be honest with you, I kind of feel like this course has been in the making since I started my business. Being an educator of some sort has always been something I'm interested in, whether it's for business or whatever I do. I'm always like, how can I teach this to someone in the future? So literally since I started my business, I've kept notebooks where I write down the questions I have as I encounter them. Um, Just because I was very aware that the further along you get in your journey, the harder it is to remember what it was like to be a beginner. So like I have probably at this point like 12 to 13 notebooks that I've used to create this course of like, the different red flags I should have known with clients or like the issues I could have just avoided completely had I done something differently. And I used all that to create this course, which I'm really proud of. I'm really excited for actually. Totally. And you probably see trending questions. You know, I get this question all the time. Like I know that this is a pain point. And then mm-hmm. there's also a lot of questions that go into like, what do I put in? Like you made, made a good point. Like, of course you could do a brain dump and give people everything that you know but that might not be useful for them where they are in their career they might not need all of that it's more of like a get someone from point a to point b not not take people the whole entire entire way uh so in these master classes was it like very uh like did you uh like how did you what was the can you tell me how much you charged for them um the master classes were 197 per ticket and it was like 30 to 40 people per class yeah Okay, and so when people came in, uh, would they, like, how did, were they able to ask, was there like a Q&A, or did they ask questions beforehand, and then you helped, you kind of created the, the masterclass around questions that they had coming in? That's a good question. Um, it was, uh, honestly, the class was kind of different, but the general structure was, first 10 to 15 minutes were introduction, so I just chat with people in the chat section. It was hosted on Demio. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but essentially it's oh, just yeah, I have. a... Perfect. So like they can't turn on their camera or anything, but there's a chat room for everyone to talk on. So, you know, I'd answer questions there. 
And then we'd get into my slides. So it was like a presentation, essentially. Um, and that presentation was split up into legalities, taxes, content creation, clients, and offboarding. So essentially, we'd go through each you of went these through the sections. Whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing, yeah. So in four hours, it was it was brain frying. In that first <laughs> section, once we were done with it, we'd do was a there any break? everything. Or you went four hours straight? It was, it was, I think we had a five minute break every hour or so, which wasn't enough, but it was, it, it helped a lot of people. Like there's a lot of people I currently know who are running their business because of that masterclass. So it was helpful. It just, um, after a certain point, after running it for a couple of months, it no longer was meeting my standards of, you know, just, it, it wasn't making me the educator I wanted to be. So okay. that was pushed aside and it created room for me to create this course. Cool. No, the reason I'm asking this is because this is, and I love that you kind of just did this intuitively and like made the like the right decisions around this. But that is actually a method because I like I want to create a course eventually, and I don't really know what the product is, and I want it to be about something that um, I can really offer value, my unique perspective on, you know, my experience, and and I don't know exactly what that is yet. And but I love the mm -hmm. world. I love digital creators. Uh, you talk a lot about how. A lot of what you're buying in these, it's not necessarily the information, but it's like the organization of the information that then saves you time. And I totally yeah. get that. Like, you know, that's what people pay for. Like, they pay to, like, make stuff easier for them. And, like, you're literally mm -hmm. aggregating this content to make it easier for them. Where was I going with that question? Um, you said you wanted to create a course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the reason I'm asking – oh, yeah. So, full coming back to it, um, <laughs> the – people teach that like that's a method that people teach to figure out to test your curriculum so like i i i've gone to like someone's free like how to launch a course <laughs> program mm -hmm. and like they talk about how you should start by doing workshops and do a paid okay. workshops and like do like a couple months of those then you'll see the trending questions then you'll see what you like to teach mm -hmm. then you'll see what's the most valuable and and in the process you'll get testimonials and reviews yeah. and reactions that you can apply to the actual course so you were doing this uh, just like you were just like figuring it out, but like like people are actually teaching this this method. So now you, you the the platforms you use in the process. Uh, one, would you recommend like so? Say someone is out there, they're listening. I want to create a course. Would you mm -hmm. recommend going through like a similar trajectory of like kind of testing it with master classes first? And what Ooh. tools would you tell them to use if that is the case? If they have, if they're able to make an investment into a coach that can help them avoid that period mm. of having to have classes, then do that. Just work with someone who's launched, maybe someone even more advanced than myself, someone who's launched like three or four courses, who's done this a number of times, and they have a system set in place for doing this without having to have that trial period. Yeah. Um, just like you're the creator trying to create a course for people to like get everything done in a short amount of time, there's creators for, there's courses for creators to do the same thing, if that makes sense. So yeah. um, essentially just working with someone who's gone through that process would be a lot easier. Um, I think also not being afraid to just put out a small offer that's not as expensive that people can invest in and just maybe running that for a couple of months, kind of like my masterclass or even cheaper, it can be helpful. So there's no reason to not try it. As far as like programs and platforms go, Demio is definitely my favorite for this. It's affordable and it's great to not have everyone's videos on, having to like monitor people's videos and what's showing is really stressful. So like the comment section of that was helpful and people can access the recording directly on Demio. So it just reduces a lot of time um, of you having to go in and upload stuff to Demio cool. and stuff. So yeah, I think either working with a course creator or putting together a workshop, something that's really And can bigger. you charge through Demio? Um, you can't, no. So for invoicing, I would use Calendly. So like, you know how you can charge for an event on Calendly? Yeah. 
essentially I just have my different masterclass dates and people would buy a ticket through Calendly. And would you just put that link in your bio or would you I, have so, like another way of getting to that Calendly link? Did you kind of have people apply? I only had that available in my stories. So at the time I was releasing the masterclass, I mean, it was thankfully a, a pretty big deal. So people were keeping up on my stories. Whenever I'd post it, it usually sell out within a few hours. So I, I like to kind of keep my link in my bio for working with managing clients. And I was able to promote my courses directly through my stories. So it kind of leaves for my feed to target clients to work with me, my stories to target students. Cool, cool. I, I, like, I like that way of thinking. Okay, so uh, I did notice... Uh, so you would link straight to that. Why did you put a cap on the amount of people in the room? Because of the Q&A. So like it was very important to me. One of probably the most important things to me with that masterclass was answering everyone's question. Like I wanted to make sure everyone left knowing that they asked a question and it was answered no matter how many asked. So more than 30 people, I think the max I had was 60 at one point. It just was too much for me to answer so many questions. People it, did you have any help, like a, like a virtual assistant helping in the process mm -hmm. at all? So it was exhausting. Yeah. The only reason, like I said earlier, that I would suggest hiring a coach to help you through this is because those master classes, they were very helpful, but they burned me out like crazy. Like yeah. after running those for a couple of months, it was like four months of recovery to like, okay, what do I want to do with my business? Where's my brain after running those for so long? So like either one getting help or getting a coach, I think would be really beneficial. The comment that you just said is the reason I started this podcast. Uh, because I know, like, like, I think a lot of people see like, oh, she's just naturally talented. She just naturally knows this stuff. She can just talk for four hours, but people don't realize the behind the scenes to building any sort of content online, especially educational content, how much goes into that. Uh, so like, I appreciate, like, that's why I have these conversations so people can see like the reality behind building this stuff. You know, there are a lot of pros, but like. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, that uh, you know, people learn the hard way and going through creating stuff. And so that's, that experience is now informing your decisions around creating a more evergreen type product. So you're creating a product that will, will there be like a, an enrollment period, like an opening and closing, or is this mm -hmm. going to just be uh, available whenever? So, well, yeah, t talk to me about the process of now building your course. For the sake of keeping the demand high, I'm going to have like an enrollment period of five to seven days. I think for this first launch, it's going to be five and then seven in the future. And I'm just going to release it every two months. People can join as many as they want. And since it's not me having to directly deal with any of these students, well, deal with sounds really mean. Since I don't have to <laughs> um, answer their questions yeah, every time yeah, they come up, I can have them, as many people can students. sign up. I know what you're saying. I know you're talking about like it's a, it, it ends up adding up, right? It's a lot mm -hmm. of hands on time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that, that makes sense. And I get the, uh, you know, you've been building up a lot of trust with your audience. So there's a lot of people itching to get into it. What is the, um, uh, first let's talk about this. Your, <laughs> your theory, your thinking on online courses, because a lot of people can have imposter syndrome around creating a product that then people buy and then the whole notion of these online like course teacher marketing scammer types right yeah. and 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 i know my feelings on it um but like <laughs> I, I i just know like every industry there's gonna be people that that stink and exploit it and then there's gonna be other people that are truly bringing value so that, that's my that's my theory you've talked a, a little bit about that um can you expand on your thinking around creating a product and any imposter syndrome you might be feeling about it? Mm -hmm. um, who, okay, imposter syndrome. I 
Funny enough, I feel like this masterclass is what helped me kind of get over that imposter syndrome. Had I tried to release this course before I did this masterclass, I think I would be crippled right now. Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely can say I don't ever think I've released something or provided a service as confident as this one I'm providing now because I know all the information I'm providing is information I have been asked for over and over and over again, literally. Um, so like, I think me as someone who struggles with imposter syndrome, that was a necessity, like being able to be 100% sure that the product I'm delivering stands aside from like any scammy product out there that my product will speak for itself and I don't have to worry about, um, you know, kind of being meshed together with those like YouTube ads, scammy course creator people, affiliate marketing, whatever. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I think this masterclass definitely helped me get over that imposter syndrome. I, and to be honest with you, I think this probably the last two months of my life are probably the only time I haven't felt imposter syndrome before, which I think is kind of inevitable when you're first starting in any new space. Exploring that. Yeah, you're surrounded by people who have been doing this for a long time and you don't know what goes into getting to where they are. You're also just having tons of doubts about how you're starting your own business. I mean, it's just so much goes what, into what, it. Yeah, but. what the product is. And, and I, think, yeah. I, I think that's good to note. Uh, and I think that's why uh, people kind of teach around doing these masterclasses or like workshops to lead up to your launch because yeah. one you get confidence around like what people want but also like really like what what is creating these the actual transformation so like once you know and have tangible results that it works you're more excited to create it you'll create better curriculum yeah. and you'll be more excited to market it because you won't care about what anyone exactly. says you know this thing freaking works uh -huh. exactly yeah you don't need that additional pressure of like oh gosh am i convincing people to invest in something that they shouldn't be investing their money in like that was a big pressure for me. You know, we're still in a pandemic. You know, people are, if people are investing in a course like this, it's because they need a new career. They want a new one. I yep. don't want them to be investing money into something that they're not going to get value out of. So totally, totally. You know, and, and I'm on the same page with, uh, with you as that. And like, I think that like, I think there is a shift in how people look at online educators. I think five, seven years ago, it was like, everyone's a scam. But like now, mm -hmm. I mean, like and you talked about one of your videos i screenshot it it was just like yo i i've studied these podcasts i've studied these books i've studied you know these courses like all of this i've i've gotten all of this information and and i'm filtering it through my experience and and uh what i've like went and actively learned myself through this product and this is saving you so much time yeah you can go do all of that stuff um but i believe that like course creators the, the coolest thing about what you're doing is and this is an analogy i use um in traditional education, you know, you have teachers um, building their curriculum around like textbooks that like that were created 20 years ago, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Or, or like curriculum or like, you know, all the standardized testing around like, you know, all of this other stuff that like isn't really uh, like practical to put in use today. You're someone that's like, I'm building this business right now. I'm learning mm -hmm. this real time. It's like you're being a player on the court of a basketball game and saying like, hey, this is how I shoot my shot, <laughs> you know, like exactly. re real time, which I think is the coolest thing about, you know, learning from YouTubers, learning from course creators. I don't know. Can, can you, I, I, there's no question there, but if you have any thoughts on I, that. I do. I ha I'm actually really glad you brought that up because like, I think one of the key differences between what I'm doing now and when I was hosting the master classes is the master classes took so much of my time. I wasn't able to manage accounts anymore. So here I was a non-manager teaching people how to be managers. And I think that really contributed to my imposter syndrome. It was really uh, hard to like, since it's an ever changing industry, you can't just like stop doing the thing you're teaching about and expect to like be able to give good information. So like I started managing accounts um, full time again in October and like getting back into it for myself and getting back into it full time has also helped me to like, 
I'm dealing with these things every single day. I'm dealing with the questions and I'm putting the questions that are coming up for me every single day into this course as well. So it's like, I, I don't know, it just feels very well-rounded as compared to like my past stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're actually doing this and you're like, Hey, mm -hmm. this is what I'm learning. Uh, I think it'll save you a lot of time. Now, now yeah. is there going to be any sort of um, live coaching element on this or is it all uh, self uh, self-paced through the course? There's going to be a Q&A about six weeks after the course is launched that people can come and ask any questions. But other than that, it's pretty much self-paced. It's okay. made so that people can like, I'm, I'm trying to teach people more the mindset of how to be a social media manager so that they can like answer their own questions because of the mindset they're in, if that makes any sense. So like, no, yeah, I'll be there it, to... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> They'll be there at the Q&A six weeks later, but like they should be able to handle the questions on their own. Ideally, they don't ever have to buy anything from me again. You know, like if this, if they use this correctly and they're going through the entire course and they're doing the exercises, then they don't need me. They're fully capable of doing everything on their own. So exactly. And, and so building the curriculum, how did you go about that? Like, what was your like process for organizing all of your thoughts into this, this curriculum? Really hard. Yeah. That was honestly the hardest part. Um, I, what I ended up on, I'm trying to think of like what I tried and failed. It's probably piecemealed a bunch of ideas. <laughs> like, Yeah, it, that was honestly the most difficult part of this course. So what I ended up doing is there's so many different phases um, that a client goes through when you're working with them as a social media manager. So I structured everything around those phases. So like pre-booking. So what has to happen before someone is officially booked? So that is one part of the course. Yep. What happens in the next two weeks after someone is booked? So it's just kind of going through the different phases of being a social media manager instead of like, okay, one, let's talk about discovery calls. Two, let's talk about marketing. Three, let's talk about sales. Yep. Just because each of those topics I just mentioned would somehow intertwine into all the different phases you're having to deal with a client in and it would just get confusing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the book, uh, Never Lose a Customer Again by Joey Coleman. No, uh, but he talks great, about... It's an amazing book. He talks about the emotional journey clients go through when they're working with you and how you can meet them on that level to ensure that they're having a good experience. So I kind of use that as inspiration to, you know, formulate this course. And two, I used all his different phases in um, the phases I put together for this course. Yeah. And then the, the actual uh, tools that you used around it. Uh, so when you were structuring the ideas, did you use, was it like, I don't know, I, I like to geek out about this. I don't know if anyone else does, but like, I like to know, like, so is it, was it like Notion or like Google, like Google Docs and then, and then filming this, and producing it? Is it all? This guy right here. Oh, oh, you're writing. You're using all old fashioned. All for the paper. Um, How do so you get that studies. onto the computer? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Typing. There's, there's so many like studies that show just writing is so good for, for getting your thoughts down, for getting clear thoughts, oh, for you know, yeah. just remembering things in general. So like I kept a notebook on me pretty much at all times these past five months, and I wrote out my entire curriculum on this very notebook and just recorded the video. So there's no like presentation aspect to this like there was with the master class. It's pretty much just me talking. And then when we talk about software, you know, it's up on the screen where you can see what I'm doing with the software. But I wanted it to feel where it's very much like kind of a hybrid of one-on-one -on -one coaching where the student feels like I'm talking directly to them and we're just here having a conversation about what you need to do instead of, okay, on this presentation, take a look at slide two and yeah. this is what we'll talk about. I'm, I'm really trying to get away from that like boring approach. Yeah, so it was like similar to your your TikTok, right? Yeah, but like yeah, I just, guess. Just in like a very structured format, um, 
and then filming was it like your setup here like just talking to your computer mm -hmm. um no, into the great. microphone i i love that because this is what i i see a lot of course creators do they overthink the production value around it mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. i did a course once and it was the most i've ever invested into anything i think <laughs> um oh. like like in like a uh besides yeah uh, education wise right it was a couple thousand dollars and it was so good and the 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 teacher she everything was google docs and she did a screen share and it was just her like recording her voice looking at her google docs and like i and i was like this looks cheap from the outside but mm. the way the information was so valuable i did not care and yeah. i also found like learning i was like okay i get to hear her voice i get to match it with the words i think like in hindsight me as a creator i'm like i would never like put something charge that much for something that like was didn't look that produced but that wasn't mm -hmm. she didn't care she was like no i know the results this is going to bring so th this is why i'm totally fine with that yeah and there, there go there's a you know what theo carnegie said the value of what you're saying is more important than how you're delivering it um yeah i mean i was planning like a six to seven thousand dollar shoot to record this i was going to rent out a studio with a friend some people from the creative club and just have it all filmed in a couple of days but um what felt uncomfortable to me about that is just that I, I didn't want to feel like I was sticking to a script, you know, like for all of this, I, I didn't have really like an outline of what I had to say or when I had to say it for these videos. It's just basically the points I want to touch on and that's it. So like it allows me to be relatively casual if I'm just talking to the camera, it's in my own space, I'm comfortable and I know that I'm able to deliver information well instead of like being too worried about how this looks. Is it professional enough? Is the camera quality good enough? Is my microphone good enough? Like it's just, it just wasn't a big concern for me. And then it's easier for you to update. So in two months, when you have mm -hmm. modules, you want you don't have to hire that crew to come film it to keep exactly. it online. You can just throw on your mic, be casual, mm -hmm. and update the content. Yeah, like I, I mean, almost every single course creator I talk with has some sort of social anxiety, some sort of social anxiety, and like the idea of filming a course in a room full of people that were like checking the camera, checking if our audio is okay. I wanted to die. Oh my gosh, it was awful. So like being in my space where I'm responsible for the editing, I'm responsible for how the microphone sounds, how everything turns out which is really so much pressure. So yeah, yeah, which which then the people going through the course will will in turn like it'll make a better product cuz you'll be f more natural, more casual and more like exactly. feels like you're talking to a friend and not like a whole camera mm -hmm. set. I I don't know that that I I think it's important to to note on that because I think people overthink the process of a course format. I know some people just do audio only and it and mm -hmm. it works. Like however yeah. you can create that transformation that is uh, most aligned with your strengths and like your teaching style that's where you got to lean in exactly i agree completely uh, okay so the one question i had i noticed your i i don't know why i like geeking about this stuff so i, I like looking at like the whole sort of flow of uh, someone's brand so when i click your linkedin profile right now it goes to a type form um mm -hmm. it's like it's like not you know most people like the, like your whole website all your stuff that like no it's like you know apply to work with me tell me your thinking around that and like and like, uh, how so, is that j creating leads for the course? Is, is that like, like what, what's the whole strategy ar around that? I mean, that's all my lead capture. So that's all my lead capture for students, for this course, and for like me managing accounts. Um, I use Typeform, one, I didn't have a website. So like, I didn't have a website to take people to. That's amazing. I, I love I that. I do too. <laughs> people give me so much crap for that, but like, I just have never seen the need to have a website. So I use that that lead capture form and essentially on Typeform, I can go through and 
sort on um, sort the different inquiries I get based off of the responses they give me so that way I can prioritize to respond to people that say they want to work with me ASAP or people that are hitting a certain budget that I'm only taking clients for and that way I can just kind of like send canned emails to the people I can't work with it just has streamlined my process a whole lot um, when I first started my business I definitely jumped onto like that Dubsado automation train where I was like trying to automate all my emails automate all my inquiries so that I wouldn't have to deal with it um, and I guess I was just like losing connection with the people that were reaching out to me, if that makes any sense. And I feel like this type form, it, it just makes me feel better about my business. So, so it, it, it kind of categorizes on your end, um, you know, these are the people that would be interested in the course and these would be potential clients. Exactly. And then it tells me after that, like who wants to work with me now versus who said they're not ready to work together for a couple of months versus who said they're just reaching out for general information and they don't really want to work together at all yet. Um, and it allows me to respond to all those people in certain categories a certain way. So Typeform has been surprisingly the best I might, um, capture I might me. borrow that because I'm getting – right now what I'm doing is I'm getting a lot of companies in the creator economy space to – like they're asking me to consult for them just because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, this guy seems like he knows this world. He understands like the language creators speak. Like we want to you know, talk with them about this specific problem. But then there's a lot of creators like, hey, how do I talk to brands? How do I create short video? Like so I'm trying mm -hmm. to figure out like – like where do I how do I set like right now I have like eight links I'm like I think like I'm just confusing people but yours is it's yeah. nice and clean it's like just getting the job done it's not overthinking mm -hmm. it yeah yeah go ahead and steal that might might help might work for you yeah yeah uh, okay cool so the course now uh, now you what what tools do you use for the actual course are you using for like hosting. a Teachable or Podia or Kajabi Kajabi oh none of the ones mm -hmm. I said Kajabi no yeah why Kajabi I um, honestly, it's just the first one I ever used. I, I considered Teachable. Um, don't know why I didn't use it. Just Kajabi just felt like I could honestly Kajabi all pretty all my much friends use. Yeah, just just put my videos somewhere. Um, I originally was going to just build it out in Notion because you can like embed Vimeo onto Notion. So essentially I could like build out my own course hub. But yeah, I could carry away with that. So yeah, just Kajabi simple curriculum, simple outline, super, super easy to get. And do you plan on raising the price in the future? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I've been stuck on that. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. I, I don't want to... I feel like if this launch does well and then I raise my price, it'll feel like I'm raising my price because a lot of people want it, which would feel sticky to me. So like, okay. I just don't know what approach I'm going to take just yet. If people really find it valuable and this price is enough to like make me money where it's, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not losing money on this course, then I probably won't raise it. We'll see. <laughs> I like that. The, the reason I ask is because, like, some of the, the people in the course space uh, talk about, like, you know, launch it at this early bird price and then, like, the price for, like, oh. launch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's different, like, prices for the launch. But, like, I mean, okay. I don't know if I'm going to raise it for the next launch. So essentially there's, there's three different price points. One for the people on the email list. So they get a price that's, like, 50% cheaper than the regular price and it's only active for a few hours because they're on the early bird wait list. Launch, there's about... Uh, 48 hour period where it's like 25% lower than the regular price and then for the rest of the week it's at its normal price. Okay. So it adds a little sense of urgency while allowing people to not have to invest as much money. Awesome. And then your mm -hmm. go-to, do you have like a go-to person that if someone's listening to this and they're like, I want to expand on learning around um, creating a course, do you have like a go-to source that like like a podcast, a Ooh. YouTube channel or or or, or probably should. If, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. That's fine. That's fine. Um, I didn't know. Th there's some people in the space. Like, I like um the way Pat Flynn talks about creating online products. Uh, I know Amy Kutcher. 
Um, there's mm -hmm. a podcast that she did a couple years ago about how she was like, how I made my course in like one weekend. And I listened to this course like multiple times, um, how she just like thought about her curriculum, launched it. Um, and like, she wow. like went to a hotel to get away from her family so she could focus on recording it. And, <laughs> and she had this time constraint where like, there was like, she wanted to be part of this like package that another creator was putting out and she wanted to get something up. And I was like, I love the way she just like went straight to the key pain points that she was trying to solve for this. I think it was around podcasting. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know, is there someone in that, or you're just like, yo, I'm winging it and I'll, I'll tell oh, you. God. Honestly, the only like educator I can think of, and I don't think she has a podcast, is that the social bundle. Her name is Shannon. I can't think of her last name, but she's, I mean, a marketing genius. And I definitely turned to her advice. Um, like on what, her what, social account, she puts what, so much on there. What channel is she on? Um, she's on Instagram. Okay. I think solely on Instagram. Okay. Uh, and yeah, she just puts a lot of information about, out about how to launch, how to, you know, build out an email list and just marketing in general. I always turn to her content. So she's really informational. But other than that, I don't really have any, anyone I turn to. Who's the, the woman you said launched a, a course in the weekend? Um, Who was that? I think, I'm pretty sure her name is Amy Kutcher. <sighs> Amy Jenna Kutcher? Kutcher? Jenna Kutcher. Did I say okay. Amy? Yeah. I combined Jenna Kutcher with Amy Porterfield. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, that's, I, 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 well, I haven't, um, cause I'm, I'm reapproaching like, like creating a digital product. So I'm like going back to some of those old podcasts that like I kind of earmarked years ago. Um, but that was one of my favorites and I think she does a good job teaching around it. She's a great um, educator. I've heard many great things about her. I think she has a podcast on like financial education and stuff as well. She's been yeah. in the industry for a minute. Yep. Okay. So, mm -hmm. and, and digital, so I'm let's a couple things. So the course, right? If there's yeah. three things that you would do differently around creating the course, what would Ooh. it be? Okay. Um, oh, gosh. That's a really good question. Um, I probably would have given myself... Oh, okay. I would have decided on my systems first thing, like what systems I'm going to host everything on, what systems I'm going to use to create this course, what systems I'm going to teach everything on. Um, instead of like deciding that when I'm building my curriculum. I feel like that's one of the things that stumped me up the most is like not knowing what software I wanted people to use since I've used so many different softwares throughout my, my journey. Um, I felt like I almost created a different curriculum for every software when I didn't end up using all of those softwares, if that makes any sense. So like yep, deciding that on sense. that first thing to just to, to avoid the time on that. Um, I would have definitely invested in a coach to help me put together the launch plan. So I wouldn't have to come up with that myself. I don't have to worry about that myself. And I would have started building my email list out a couple of months ago instead of I started building it earlier this month. So I should have been putting more effort into that. Okay. So so is the main tool for marketing it going to be warm leads from the email list? Like where like what is your strategy for you created this awesome product? Like what is your strategy now for getting it in front of the right people? TikTok and my stories. That's that's what I'm aiming for. Um, I've never really been an email marketing kind of gal, so I just think it took me a long time to feel warmed up to the idea of doing a warm leads list on email marketing. So like now that I just see the value in it, I just wish I would have had it just as a, as a backup, but um, I'm going to be pushing it mainly through my Instagram stories, maybe two or three feed posts on my Instagram and then just TikToks talking about it. I've just been for the past, just talking about like the contents of the course specifically. Yep. Um, for the past like six to eight weeks, I've been talking about it and talking about what I'm putting into it and everything. And when it comes to like promoting my coaching, I like to take the approach of like, Okay, test test me out as a coach. Ask me your questions and I'll answer them now. And then you know, if you like that, then I've got a course you can go go buy. So like, I'm just gonna continue taking that approach while it's launching. 
And what is, what is your goal for? Is there like a goal for an amount of sales for this first launch? I 50 people in. That's that's all I want. It's it's a yeah, yeah it's a goal. And I'm confident I can reach that. So I feel like I'll be happy with myself. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. This is this has all been fantastic. Is there anything around the course that you want to discuss or um, uh, anything that we, any topics that we didn't hit around the course? Yeah, the course that you just want to like make clear. Um, not really about the course, but like for anyone listening that's that wants to like do what I do, but they can't invest in a coach. I just don't don't want them to not pursue it. Like there's so much online. There genuinely is so much information on YouTube podcasts, um, TikTok that you can just start with, just start somewhere, start learning something. Um, and you know, eventually once you've grown your business a little bit, you can invest in coaching and you can kind of streamline everything, but don't let your inability to invest in something stop you from starting whatever yeah. career you're pursuing. Okay, cool. So, so the, I have, I have one to 10 more questions. Um, and <laughs> it's so funny, you know, so many of my podcasts, I, I, I like, I'm like, I have one more question and then like, I'm like, Oh, and I got one, one more question. Um, so I, th- I think that like we, d- we discussed mainly around, you know, building your audience using TikTok and, and you know, how mm-hmm. you approach TikTok. And then we talked about the course, uh, building the course. I think, I think like, you know, someone might be interested now, like I want to be a social media manager. Uh, I want to be a social, uh, social media management manager. What? Management coach or manager. Uh, what's, what is SMM? Isn't that the social, oh, media? social media manager? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what you're teaching in the course, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why is it? Why is it two M's? Social media manager. Oh, <laughs> social media is two words. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um. Okay. So, so all right. I'm not gonna cut that out. I like leaving like the, the raw stuff in there. Okay. Uh. So someone wants to become a a, a social media manager, mm-hmm. and you're teaching about that in your course. What are What are some things that What are some like the you know a couple like. The, the things that you kind of coach beginners on. Um, let's, let's do the three things again. What are three things beginner social media managers should know before starting? Um, ooh, okay. I, I feel like most people would answer like algorithm and hashtags and everything. And I would, t- I would talk about business. So workflows, knowing exactly what you're doing and when you're doing it for your clients. So like what things have to happen in order to reach different statuses of your clients. What yep. things need to happen in order to do content creation. What things need to happen in order for you to do hashtag research. So having workflows in place. Um, prioritizing time management and project management. So learning how to properly manage your tasks so that you're not working 24-7. I, like a lot of people make jokes about like, oh, I quit my nine to five to work 24-7. Like, um, I do think when you enjoy your work, you're gonna be thinking about it a lot, but you shouldn't be constantly working. It's a great way to burn yourself out. So learn yeah. how to manage yourself correctly from the beginning. Um, and three, um, I would spend time on the social media platform scrolling only to identify who that video you're watching could be targeting or who that post you're looking at could be targeting. And if you do that enough on your TikTok page and on your Instagram, you'll notice every single video, almost every single video could be an advertisement for something. So if you can see just how many options there are for creating content that's somehow promoting either your content or your client's content, it just relieves the pressure of, oh my gosh, how do I come up with content ideas? Or, oh my gosh, how do I create an ad for this? Because you're just seeing other people do it so effortlessly. So I think those three things would definitely help me when I started. That's amazing. Okay, and now here's the one more question. Because I've, okay. I've, I actually realized something as we're talking and I'm thinking out loud. I feel like, tell me if I'm wrong, that you have a um, – I, I, so, so a lot of content creators, artist types, they have this like limiting beliefs around making money as, mm-hmm. as a creator. 
and I feel like you you uh, uh um what what is your what is your what is your do you have any like abundance like mindsets or like beliefs around like building your brand and like and like charging mm-hmm. for what it is that you do because I I think that's a healthy thing to do a lot um you know people when people invest in a course like they're investing in themselves and mm-hmm. that that money is like going like it's a it's a reminder to them that like oh I'm, this is an investment this is, and they yeah. and when people and they put effort into it because they put money to it and they they can mm-hmm. kind of feel it it's more tangible so mm-hmm. are there any like beliefs around like just charging for your work as a creator absolutely um lowballing yourself so like a lot of people and i see a lot of my students do this is they'll they'll set low prices because they want to stand out in the industry as someone who has cheap prices but you're labeling yourself as cheap and with yeah, that and you're labeling you yourself cheap as cheap clients. work and you attract you attract you clients yeah and there's this book i read um oh i can't laura smith might be the author it's it's called um the secrets of owning a six-figure business or something and she talks about how those clients who you're not charging too much money for or you're not charging too much money will take up all of your mental energy and they'll take up so so much of your energy that you won't have energy to give the people who are actually looking for solid work and are willing to invest in it so you all you're doing is holding yourself back like that's genuinely literally all you're doing so like charge your worth charge enough to where like you decide how many clients you're willing to take per month and this is where workflows come into you how how much time range are these clients taking you versus how many hours you want to work per week and set your pricing according to that um, I think people think overthink pricing so much because it's like, oh, is there a certain formula I have to follow? There's some like standard I have to follow. There's not. Just your work has to match the amount of investment you're asking for people. If you're working with people who are enjoyable to work with, they're trusting you, who are allowing you to like actually take control, especially with like social media, it can be a little confusing. You're not going to be burning yourself out, and you're going to be making enough money to survive without having to work 24/7. So charge your worth. Labeling yourself as cheap is never a good idea. You're going to burn yourself out working with clients who expect you to fix all their problems. That's, that's one thing. Cheap clients will like expect to invest a low amount and are expecting you to fix more than just the thing they're hiring you to do. It's almost like they're, they're wanting you to fix all of their business problems and they're afraid to invest any more money because they're just afraid in general about their business. You don't want that energy as a business owner. Um, yeah, and I've learned that lesson way too many times. It's, it's so true. The, and those types of clients too. When you attract, start attracting good clients, the beauty is they usually know like-minded people. People approach their business the similar way, and then you get the right uh-huh. word of mouth clients, um, yes. oh, and you attract more into your business. Uh, it's an amazing domino effect. Uh, I, 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 in the people I've consulted, you know, f- close friends that have businesses, like th- what you just said is. Very consistent, and you realize too the people that spend more—they're so busy, they just expect you to be a pro and get the job done. They're less hands-on, exactly. and they're just like, "Yo, go run it. I'm paying you to do something." And the people who are willing to pay the high prices charge high prices themselves, so they understand the value of like they get—they they the understand investment. They get it, and it's like having to prove your worth to someone as a service provider is one of the most exhausting, draining imposter syndrome driving things you can possibly do so just yeah. like do yourself a favor even if it makes you uncomfortable from the start charge what you're worth you're people are going to say no to your prices some people are going to get upset and that's fine they're going to do yep. just just charge your worth mm-hmm. hey that's a beautiful message thank you so much for being on the show where can someone go check out more about uh you and and if they're interested in the course where can they go check that out 
Yeah, so buy Mila Holmes on Instagram and TikTok. Amazing. And I'll and, and continue to watch her, her her approach on TikTok, her Instagram stories approach on TikTok. It's something that I'm paying a lot of attention to. And I think that's gonna be more of the case uh, moving forward. People just want that raw and real, just conversational style with, with their creators. Mm -hmm. uh, so love what you're doing. Thank you so much for your time on this show. See you later.